right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Three Major Sports Podcast. I am Enrique here with you again. Uh, I've got Rob here with us also. And today we are going to be talking about the 2021 NFL Draft. We're going to go over a couple of teams that we thought did a great job, some that did not so great, a couple of value picks. And we are going to give you a little bit more in-depth look at our team, so the Dolphins and the Browns. Absolutely, and we're gonna cut. There he is, and we're gonna cap <laughs> it off with um, a little bit of what we think is gonna happen now this season. That we've got a pretty, pretty solid look at what these teams are gonna look like. So uh, that's what's on tap for today. Again, thanks everybody for joining. Please make sure to subscribe to the pod and follow us on Instagram at Three Major Sports, where you can see uh, episode recaps and updates of our next episodes coming up. So with that, let's go to Rob for our first draft winner. Yes, yes. Good evening, sir. Uh, so we went. Th- I tried to watch at least the first round. Uh, I think I caught a little bit of the second round. Um, I thought that a lot of teams had really good drafts. Uh, there was only a couple head scratchers, especially in the first round. And I don't know if it's just because this year um, it might have just been a little bit harder to get cute because you couldn't get as much face time with these players. And the, the college season was so weird and Part of these guys didn't even play. Jamar Chase didn't even play this year. Rashawn yeah. Slater didn't even play. Panay Sewell didn't even play. So uh, made some of these kind of, you know, match up to what the mock drafts were. My big winner uh, to me and, and maybe vaulted them into Super Bowl contention was the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I thought they did awesome. Uh, they picked guys that hit both ends where they were not only the best available player, but also was like exactly what they needed. Um, They hit the jackpot last year with Justin Herbert and being able to get Rashawn Slater at pick uh, 13 was pretty awesome. Um, I mean, that guy's going to have his back for 10 years, probably Um, just a a great addition. And they spent a lot of money on that offensive line during the off season already. Yep. So being able to sort of complete it with that was, was pretty great. Uh, Asante Samuel was a good pick as well. Um, they did need corners out on their defense. Uh, clearly they have a good defensive line with Joey Bosa and those guys. Uh, so being able to add their defensive backfield, again, with, with not a super early pick, they got him at pick 47. Um, and, and he can probably walk right in and, and at least be a nickelback, if not a starter on the outside. So, I thought those were two of their their best picks. You, you get some more value as you go down their yep. draft board. Um, nobody really like super super stands out to me, uh, but those top two guys were were really what made it for me. Because again, they they weren't not only were they their biggest needs, but they were also the best players available, which is just awesome when you can hit both of those at the same time. So that was my that was my big winner, sir. Who do you got, for sure. Um, awesome. Actually, so the Chargers, something that you talked about, about a little bit more depth as you go in, their fourth overall pick, so Trey McKitty, the tight end from Georgia. Uh, apparently, the dude drops a good amount of passes going his way, so that might make it all irrelevant. But he has, like, the biggest hands in this draft as a pass catcher. And so a pass catching tight end to put in there uh, eventually down the line, even if it's your second option, is a great safety blanket for uh, Herbert, like you said, but yeah, dude, those first two picks, Slater and, and Samuel, the Chargers are one of the teams to like really look out for. So, yeah, yeah, their their name might pop up towards the end of this podcast because they're 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 going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, all right, so my pick is a little bit out of the blue. If you would have asked me Thursday morning if this was going to be the team that I thought won the night, I would have never ever guessed it. I'm going with the Bears. I think that the Bears had one of the most underwhelming off-seasons heading into this draft. They had, already, they had already committed their starting quarterback job to Andy Dalton, which I'm not sure how great that is. Um, so they were, eh. And then they walk in opening on, on day one, and they trade up to, what pick was it, number 11. They yeah. trade up to 11, and they take Justin Fields. So, for anybody who listened to our uh, top five mock draft type of thing that we did in episode one, right? We both thought that Justin Fields is probably the second best quarterback in this draft. 
And yeah. he was the fourth quarterback off the board. So at this point, like, I think the Bears got a tremendous value for him. I think that he's, he's going to a team in the region of the country where people are already familiar with him. He's going to have the support of all the Bears fans around him. I don't think there's any Bears fans unhappy with this trade. Um, and I think Justin Fields is going to be set up for success there. Even if he doesn't start from day one and he sits behind Dalton, like for as much crap as we can talk about Dalton, he's not a bad dude to sit behind and kind of figure out. Like he's been in the league for a while. He's got playoff experience. He's been on a couple of different franchises, so he kind of knows how the league works. It's a good guy to have your franchise quarterback sit behind and learn, even if it is the Tua treatment and it's five games or whatever. At least you, you don't have to throw him into the fire day one. And if you do, I think that Fields is perfectly capable of handling himself. I just think, obviously, the more preparation you can get, the better. Um, so that pick alone basically makes them a winner in this draft. But then in their sec- in the second round, they went and they got uh, what's probably rated as the best run-blocking offensive lineman in the draft uh, out of Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins. And so he can use a little bit of work on the pass blocking. But he's going to be an excellent run to, uh, run blocker to free it up for, for Cohen and that backfield. Uh, so I think the Bears did something to really give themselves a chance this year. Matt Nagy and their GM, uh, Ryan Pace. I think his name is Pace, right? Yeah, Ryan yeah. Pace. This is, this is do or die for both of those dudes this year. Pace knows it. He gave up next year's first-round pick because he figured, I might as well use it now because I might not have a chance to use it next year. And they put all their cards on the table. So let's see if this works out for them. So I think that the Bears did a great job for themselves in this draft and definitely should consider themselves winners. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I would agree. Um, it's funny how much of that overlapped with, with some of the other parts that I had written down. Um, I, I had Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins as two of my best value picks uh, just because of where they were able to get them. They had a bunch of mock drafts, including ESPN, for the last maybe two months. If the Bears had stuck at 20, they had them taking Jenkins at 20. So you look at a draft where they get the guy that a lot of people mock to them if they stayed in their pick, and they ended up getting a quarterback and him. Uh, it yep. did cost them a first-round pick. But, uh, I mean, being able to come away with both, that's a, that's a home run. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you, too. I feel like Dalton's one of the more perfect, like, play setters in the meantime. Like, if you're going to have to sit behind someone, at least he's, like – He's not a net negative. We'll put it that right, way. Like right, right. You're, you're not sitting behind Jeff Driscoll. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's no Blaine Gabbert. So uh, we're, uh, you know, they'll be all right up there. And, and like you said, those guys are on the hot seat no matter what. So yeah, um, they, are. They, didn't have, they didn't have anything to lose if, they, if they're not there for that I mean, first round pick. Shout out to Pace for having the balls to just throw it on the table now and, and see what we can make happen and not playing it safe. So good sure. shout out to them. Yeah. That was a good trade, too. I can't remember who they traded with uh, to get to 11. I think it was oh, the, the Giants. Giants. The, Giants. the Giants, yeah. Gettleman's not really a trade-down type of dude. I think that might have been He's one not. of his first trade-downs as a Giants GM, but they gave him so much he had to. And side note, they're not, they're not one of my listed winners, but trading down and still getting the talent that they did in Kadarius Tony to add to that offense, they, they definitely did not. Like, this is a winning trade on both sides uh, of it. Like, there are no losers in that trade. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're 100% right. So, my, you got my yeah, my my second pick, it kind of hurts, but the more I researched it, the more I was like, "Oh man, like this is I mean, they they did a really good job." I'm not as big of a believer in Zach Wilson. I'll lead with that. <laughs> but if you really think he's the second best player in the draft, or at least second best quarterback, and he, you know, comes in and, and a year from now is winning 10 games with the team you built around him. There's not much I can argue with. And the picks that they made after him, uh, be it the, the kid from uh, Vera Tucker from right. USC and then Elijah Moore from uh, Ole Miss. I mean, those guys are players. Even that Michael Carter. Uh, yeah, he was Michael the other Carter half the sleeper running back, the other half of that UNC combo. Right, right. And I, I can't remember who they were playing, but there was that one game where him and Javante Williams both had 200 yards. I can tell you who they were playing. They were playing the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, that's who it was. Okay. All and right. They well, each rushed for 200 yards on that Man Diaz <laughs> defense. <laughs> that's too bad. Good thing you're a Gators fan, huh? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so if you take all the guys that the Jets got in the offseason and then you add in your hopeful – 
franchise quarterback. You add in your starting probably right guard from day one and right. a, a slot receiver that pretty much is better than any other receiver on your roster except for maybe Jamison Crowder. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can do that in the first – what was that? Thirty-five picks. Yep. 34. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what else you're looking for. You, you got three starters, uh, and and potentially like decade starters, not like you know two or three years. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a great start to the draft. And we're used to the the Jets being idiots. So when they do things that are intelligent, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, hey, that makes sense. Then it it almost boosts them up another half step because you're just expecting them to do dumb shit. Correct, 100%. And again, <laughs> for all we know, um, Zach Wilson is dumb shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hesitant to give them too much credit there. But listen, if they think that he's the guy, they went with it. They traded up to get Vera Tucker and get him some more protection on that line. And like you said, that's a plug-and-play guard in this league right now. So he's going to do well. And yeah, and more is just another explosive option to help protect your rookie quarterback who may or may not be running for his life at first. Um, right. So, yeah, again, I, I don't like the Jets. I'm a Dolphins fan. I wish nothing but bad things for the Jets. But they did set themselves up pretty nice here. If things work out, then uh, they have become a competent team in this division to compete against. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things about doing these, you know, four days after the draft is you, you can only go off of what the ratings are right now, obviously, right? So, you right. mean, there's not a whole lot we can say about Wilson. We'll, we'll keep our, our thoughts to ourselves, I guess. I think – the way that, that Fields and Wilson were drafted, I think we both feel like it's probably flip-flopped. I mean, I would take him ahead of Mac, Mac Jones, but probably yep. not Trey Lance. So, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It looks good now. We'll see. Let's see. We'll see how yeah. it looks in the fall. Right. So, awesome. Go for it, buddy. Who's your other one? All right. So, my other winner, well, we're going to stick to uh, just my luck as a Dolphins fan. We're going to stick to the AFC East. And good old Bill and the New England Patriots. Um, it was, I mean, if you wrote them off after last season, then that just shows that you're not paying attention. Because Bill Belichick and squad know what they're doing. They know how to essentially rebuild, which is what they're doing now. They were able to get Mac Jones at 15, right? So they didn't have to move, which a lot of people were thinking, oh, Patriots are going to move up, get their guy, get a quarterback. They didn't have to move. They got what you would expect to be the – uh, prototypical Bill Belichick quarterback. He just kind of seems like a carbon copy of of Tom Brady in terms of physical attributes, right? He's a good long uh, deep ball thrower. He's very accurate, uh, not overly athletic, but can move, especially now that he's younger. Obviously, Brady can't move anymore, but there was a moment that he can scoot. Um, so I think that that's a winning pick for them. It, it even if again we don't, I don't think they even expect him to start day one, right? Because they just re-signed Cam for a year. But we saw how that Cam experiment went last year. It wasn't totally great. Again, there were some injury concerns with Newton coming into that. So if he stays healthy, maybe there's something different. But if not, they've got a guy now that they know they're going to take it. They, there's no pressure on Newton to be the franchise quarterback. This is It's all on Jones now. And uh, I think that might help Cam play better, which is going to set the Patriots up for success. And if not, I think Jones will be just fine in that offense. So uh, right off the bat, their first-round pick, I think they set themselves up for success. Uh, but then their second pick, right? Their second pick was from Alabama, also uh, Christian Barmore, or Barmore, Barmore, excuse me. That is, talk about value to get him in the second round. That was the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. Uh, bar none, he was the guy. Uh, I would have been okay with the Dolphins taking him at the end of the first round or with the 18th pick. That's because he's just an amazing pressure guy from inside. He is going to just rush the passer and really just uh, fuck shit up, really, in, in the interior line. Like, he's going he's gonna to disrupt everything that the offense is trying to do from a running standpoint uh, with his just size and strength up front. And then when they drop back into that pass, he's, he's just going to be able to push guys out of the way. So that's terrifying to have in the division, especially when uh, some of these quarterbacks are not on the big side like uh, Wilson or Tua. Uh, so I think Josh Allen will be fine against them. But, yeah, that's another great pick for the Patriots on that interior defensive line. Um, and then the rest of the way through, they really just stocked up on major conference players, which we know there's talent there, right? And the best people to get the talent out of players has been traditionally that Patriots coaching staff. So 
uh, linebacker Cameron McGrone from Michigan. They got him like in the fifth round. Again, that seems like a perfect, perfect. Oh, Michigan, there he is. That seems like a perfect Patriots <laughs> player. It's somebody who's like decent at several things. They're gonna find the right spot to plug him in, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see this guy as a as a starter on that defense in a couple of years. So. Uh, I think the Patriots did really well for themselves. Again, that down year, we should have all enjoyed it because it seems like they are on their way back up. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I like the Perkins pick more than the Barmore pick. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big like ratings guy. I'm always looking at Bleacher Report and ESPN and seeing where these different scouting departments have these guys rated. And they had Perkins rated like six places behind Barmore as like the 35th to 40th best player in the draft. And then they're getting him at pick 97. Like that to me is like, damn it. Like that's why they're the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. And that goes to them being the Patriots. So because that for as great as his ratings are, that kid didn't, I don't think he played a lot. I think he was like less than 300 snaps is what they're, they're judging all his play against. Yeah. Um, so there's that concern, right. That we haven't seen enough of it. Uh, despite him being in a good conference, but we, we just haven't seen enough of him, and I think that might have scared some teams away from him. But yeah. that's what the Patriots do, man. They, they that's why they have the best scouting division in the league. Right, right. Well, and Oklahoma doesn't typically produce uh, defensive ends, so <laughs> I, I guess so. right, exactly. Even Texas nowadays is like Bleh, whatever. So yeah, all right. Well, great. The Patriots are going to be good again. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll go over my favorite team real quick because I just I mean, besides for the draft being in Cleveland and them like actually doing a good job and it actually looking entertaining and enjoyable. Uh, the city even looked nice, which is, you know, it did. Such as the first day, it looked like shit because it was raining the whole day. But the, the next couple of days when it was nice and uh, bright outside, it actually didn't look too bad. Um, the Browns picks, I thought, uh, similar to San Diego, or San Diego. Similar to the Chargers of L.A., uh, I thought that they sort of got guys that were best available and um, filled a need in the first couple rounds, which is, I mean, what else are you asking for? Uh, Newsom, I thought, was an awesome pick. Uh, he's going to be another plug-and-play starter uh, right yep. from the jump. Um, so 100%. now they have four competent cornerbacks uh, between Troy Hill, Greedy Williams, uh, Denzel Ward, and then Greg Newsom. So – Right off the bat, you can run a four-corner set uh, with your safeties and, and cover teams like uh, Kansas City. And I'd seen some, uh, some Cleveland reporters that were sort of talking like, you know, you sort of plan to win your division in the NFL. That's sort of how you build teams is you plan how you're going to win your division. So you may, you may see teams like, uh, like Cincinnati and like Pittsburgh where they'll draft to try to stop Lamar Jackson. And the observation that people kept making was it doesn't look like they're trying to stop Lamar Jackson. It looks like they're trying to stop Patrick Mahomes. And to me, that was one of the like coolest things to hear as a Browns fan. Cause it's like, okay, we're already like looking past the division. Like we're, right. we're confident enough that we're like, Oh, we think we can beat these guys. What are we going to do about the chiefs? And to me in my lifetime, our team hasn't fought like that. So that was really, really awesome. Um, yeah. I'm not even going to butcher his name, but JOK was an awesome, awesome pick in the second round. I was thrilled to death they traded up to get him because he just kept sliding, I guess, just because he's a tweener. But he's going to fit their defense uh, awesome. They've already pretty much said that they're going to plug him in as a linebacker, like right from the jump. Uh, but he'll be covering tight ends. So he'll be like their coverage linebacker slash blitzer slash safety uh, when you have uh, Delpit and or, geez, now I can't think of the other guy's name. Uh, our other safety, when you have them off the field uh, or with him, then he'll be able to play at the same time. So I thought those were two great picks. Uh, Schwartz was another good pick. He, he didn't do as much as I would have hoped. I read a stat today that he had more rushing touchdowns at Auburn than he did receiving, which is a little like, ooh, I don't like that in three years. Okay. But I, right. I also believe he was the fastest guy in the SEC for the three years. Uh, so, you know, if you can turn that into something, you, you don't find dudes with four, two, five speed all the time. So I don't mind that one. And then, uh, the James Hudson and Tommy Tagalola, I'm sure I butchered that name, but, um, those two picks, the, the one being the Buckeye. So I've seen him for the last two years. 
just demanding double teams on the inside, even against Alabama. Though he's he's going to be a great pick, especially in the fifth round. Uh, and then Hudson was a good tackle at Cincinnati. Uh, I think that was a good value pick too. So I just there wasn't anything I could complain about. Uh, it's it's nice for a change to see some competency from the front office and not like drafting dumb people and the different stories we used to get about when they took Johnny Manziel and stuff like that. Uh, Andrew Barry just does a hell of a job. Dude's sitting there with like a four day old baby wrapped around his chest, uh, sitting at home, killing the draft. So (laughs) I I just, I couldn't be happier with the way their draft turned out. And, uh, and I think you're going to hear the Browns name pop up again before we end this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I do agree with everything that that you said. The Browns have transformed themselves into a competent organization, making good decisions and not dipshit ones, like right. you mentioned Johnny Menzel and stuff like that. So, yeah, all the I mean, everything that you said, I agree with. Those the play Newsom, they're gonna plug him right in, and he's gonna go. Uh, the linebacker from from uh, Notre Dame, I'm not gonna butcher his name either. Uh, but yeah, you got these are players that you're just plugging in to serve a purpose immediately right there. And like you said, it's, it seems like they're building uh, a team to go outside of the division and really concentrate on being successful in the playoffs. And that must be a wonderful feeling for you as a Browns fan, dude. It is. It's, I don't even comprehend it at this point. I, it doesn't even make sense to me. So I get you. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm a, I am uh, currently of the same mindset right now. So we'll switch gears a little bit. We'll go to our team down here, the Miami yes. Dolphins. Yes. So, let's hear it. Uh, I'm ecstatic. I think that we had a great draft. I think that we took uh, four starters in the first four picks that we had, right? Starting with our number six overall pick, Jalen Waddle. Again, we had our choice of, of receivers except for Chase, right? Chase went off the board, and then Pitts went off at four. So I was a little disheartened after those two picks because those were the guys that I wanted most. But uh, to land on Jalen Waddle, I think it's great, right? The comps that everybody's making are Tyreek Hillish, uh, very explosive. Honestly, again, going back to to that first episode that we did and when we talked about the Dolphins, an explosive playmaker is what this offense needed. It's what Tua needs. It's some. It's another level of protection for him. Uh, you got a burner, somebody who you can, if you need to dump the ball off on a screen or or any sort of of uh, a little hot route because you see the pressure coming. Uh, you've got somebody who can take the ball on a three yard anything and turn it into a big play. That's huge for us because we don't have that kind of uh, playmaker and receiver on this team. So I love that. And then they followed it up in the first round again at 18 with Jalen Phillips with the defensive end from the Hurricanes. Uh, Chris Sims, somebody who we have talked about on this draft before, on this on this pod before, he had Jalen Phillips listed as his best defensive player in this draft period. But Ugh. the dude has had, he's well, he's done the work. I mean, the kid is phenomenal. He, his, his pass rushing ability is out of this world. His, the question mark is medical records, medical concerns. The kid's had concussions before. He was forced to step away from the game while he was at UCLA. Uh, then he transferred to Miami when he made his comeback and, and balled out for the Hurricanes, really. He is possibly a huge steal at 18 because if he does pan out medically, then the talent was definitely top 10. It's something that that people would have seen him going much higher if there weren't these concerns. So, again, I think that that is another great, great pick. Um, the third one, this one is not a bad pick, right? But we picked at 35, 36, 36. Yeah. 36. Uh, and we ended up taking Jevin Holiday, who was a safety out of uh, Oregon. So, great player, right? And we'll talk about him in a second. The pick before us, they the Denver Broncos, I believe, took uh, Javante Williams from UNC, the uh, the running back, right? Yeah. So that, I think, would have been a perfect pick for the Dolphins right then and there. I was really disheartened that we didn't, if, they, if we knew it was possibly going to go off the board right ahead of them, that we didn't try to make a move up. But they didn't. It is gone. We missed out on the top tier running backs for the second year in a row. I think that might end up being a mistake. But... The kid that we did get is somebody who can play with us right away. Uh, they didn't expect him to be the first safety off the board. That was really expected to be uh, Morig from another um, safety. But this kid plays fast. Holland, he can, 
if we need him to shift down on certain formations and play outside linebacker, he was able to do that. He, he, he's a good tackler. He was able to do that in college. Uh, on top of that, he plays fast in the backfield, and he can, he can basically ball hawk for us. He can get a couple of, of picks playing in the middle of the field back there and hopefully be a game changer for us on defense. Uh, and then our fourth pick, man, I think this is a really good value too. Liam Eichenberg, he's an offensive tackle from Notre Dame. This kid didn't let up a sack in his last two seasons in college. Did not uh, hold, was not held responsible for a single sack. He had one of the best pass protection records in college football during that time. Um, so again, he's not like super flashy. Oh my God, first round tackle. But to get him with our fourth overall pick, I think at number fifty, um, I think this is a great, great value pick. It's something again that we needed help in. I mean. We can play him at right tackle, and now he's got two of his back for the next God knows how many years. We got Austin Jackson, who was number 18 last year in the first round, who can set up at left tackle. Uh, it seems like the Dolphins are starting to get this offensive line situation under control, and that this year might be the year that we look like a great team on the line. That is where we've needed to to really improve, and I think we did a good job. Uh, and after that, Hunter Long, tight end from Boston College, this is a good value pick, again, because it's, it's future-proofing our team, right? Gusecki is a free agent after next season if he wishes to be, right? He's, he can walk. Um, it protects us from having to overpay him. This kid out of Boston College, he was their best pass-catching option on that team, period. Um, he was probably the best pass-catcher at that position in the conference outside of Brevin Jordan from the Hurricanes. So, again, to get him down in the fifth round, uh, have him learn the offense, really get to, to figure out where he's going to fit in this offense, and then if we need to plug him in as a more primary target the next season, if Gasecki does leave, then I think we're set up with a good option going forward there. So, overall, we made good decisions. Uh, I think, again, maybe not getting one of those top-tier running backs may come back to bite us in the ass at some point, but... Miles Gaskin did a pretty good job last year. Let's see where, where that can carry us this year. And maybe we did enough elsewhere around the ball on offense to not really need one of those top-tier running backs to really carry the team. So, uh, overall, man, I'm stoked about the Dolphins draft. And I think that uh, they might be coming up later in this draft, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, later yeah. in the pod. Yeah, I don't know that I'd argue with you, honestly. Um I, I, I would agree with everything you said, pretty much. Uh, I, I think they had a pretty good draft as well. Um, another team that took as much for value as they did for need, which, you know, if you're going to do things in the NFL draft properly, you always take best player available. And if, if that can overlap with one of your needs at the time, then that's even better. Um, but trying to reach for players like uh, some of the ones we're going to talk about in a second, that's sort of what, what can kill your draft class is reaching up for guys. Uh, so, I, yeah, I didn't see you guys doing that for any of them. Uh, I thought Eichenberg was a great selection. Um, it, it was a bit of a surprise that ETN and uh, Najee Harris both went in the first round. I, I did think you guys would be able to get one of the two uh, at uh, least yeah, at the beginning of that, the second. Exactly. That pick at the beginning of the second round was, uh, was prime real estate for a running back, and they just all went off the board before then. It was kind of crazy. Right, right. And, and let's be honest, 18 was too high for either of those guys, uh, ETN or Najee Harris. That's too high. So it, it was smart to not do that um, at the time. I, I'm, I'm a little iffy about Miami edge rushers lately, so I, I, I'm, I'll hold back a little bit on the Jalen Phillips stuff. But I think Waddle's going to be awesome. Uh, and, and I didn't mind the safety from Oregon either. Uh, clearly defense wasn't your guys' problem last year. So I think, if anything, it just makes your defense a little more um, injury-proof, I guess, where, where if somebody goes down, you have someone to fill in for them. Right. So, yeah, no, great, great draft. Great draft. Uh, let's, uh, let's go through a couple of these. Um, we pretty much did the, the value picks. Um, let's go through some of these. Uh, which one? Oh, the draft losers. That's what we were thinking of. Did we already go through those? We didn't go through those, right? Okay. We did not. All right. So we're really only going to do one just because we don't need to bash anybody for too long. This one I'm just going to really enjoy for a moment. Um, I think the Steelers, to me, had one of the worst drafts, which, you know, 
it starts with taking a, a like we just said, taking a running back in the first round. Uh, offense wasn't really their problem last year, and they lost Bud Dupree off their defense. Uh, didn't really find anyone that I would say would fill in that spot. No. Um, I mean, I think they only drafted one outside linebacker in the sixth round. They didn't even draft an, an end or anything. So Yeah, he's like an edge rusher. Yep. Right, right. So, I mean, granted, they still have T.J. Watt, but it, it's not nearly as formidable as you saw in the playoffs and, and the last week of the season against the Browns. They couldn't get any pressure. Um, and, it, you know, if you can shade your line or even a, a tight end over to T.J. Watt's side and you don't have to worry about anyone on the other side, that, that's, that's a different ball game against that Steeler defense. So. Uh, yeah, not, not addressing the defensive end position. And also, uh, their line was pretty terrible last year. And I believe they've lost guys and haven't really done anything to replace them. I know Villanueva still hasn't signed with anyone. Right. Um, and I know Marcus Gilbert retired, but I wasn't sure if he still played for the Steelers at the time. I think he did. Uh, so, so two of their five starters from last year on a line that wasn't very good, uh, are not coming back. And they drafted a running back instead of a lineman. So, and that was with uh, the aforementioned Tevin Jenkins still on the board where they could have taken him at 24 and it would have made perfect sense. And, and instead they went with a running back. So yeah, that to me, uh, I, I, I mean, you could sort of lead with that. I know the Steelers love using their tight end. So Friermuth from Penn State made some sense. Hometown college area kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does have some talent. So really, I mean, I think really similar to Gasecki. Uh, I think he followed him up in Penn, at Penn State. He did. So, yeah. Yeah. So, similar talent. So, I mean, it's not like that's a bad pick, I guess. But, again, your your most glaring needs were, were offensive line and defensive line, and you, you went with a tight end and a running back. Uh, I, yeah, that, that, yeah. That just – if anything, they're going to be <laughs> – I mean, if they're not careful, Joey Burrow is going to pass them in the division. So, <laughs> yeah, they, that's... they probably needed to invest either in a quarterback – or, or that offensive line to keep Roethlisberger from breaking his arm again. Definitely. And just, again, that offensive line is their, probably their most glaring need. They didn't address it until the third and fourth round, which, honestly, like, if you are a playoff caliber team like they were or supposedly could be, right, especially if Ben Roethlisberger is a little bit more healthy, um, that seems like it should have been a priority for them. They yeah. could have put an effort into – uh, re-signing James Conner on an affordable deal and maybe try to see where that leads because he wasn't terrible, right? And if you improve your offensive line, in theory, your running back production should also be better. Right. Um, so I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a fan of – I don't think that they did anything spectacular to help their cause. Uh, so let's see where this goes. I mean, <laughs> I mean hopefully – or not hopefully, but it, for Steelers fans, maybe Najee Harris is – uh, this incredible back who totally changes your offense. And it could be, right, because the kid's stellar, but there's just too many needs in other places that are much harder to find than running back for them to have invested that in a, in a first-round pick. So right, I get it. Right, right. To, to me, and, and I know this is kind of homerism, but to me, Trey Sermon in the fourth round of the Niners was a much better pick than Najee Harris at 24 when you don't have an offensive line. I mean, it just, yeah. that, 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 that type of pick makes a lot more sense to me because Sermon right. was really good. Absolutely. So. And they got him at a good value. And, and if you look at the Steelers situation, had they swapped and taken one of those uh, offensive linemen available at 24, then there's no reason to believe that their fourth-round pick, which was a tackle from Texas A&M, couldn't be somebody like uh, Trey Sermon and still address that need that they think is important with a quality player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's – I, I really enjoyed doing that one. I really enjoyed that. Thank I'm you. Sure you did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> we uh, might have the most difficult division in football next year, so they 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 gotta they gotta stock up for that. Yeah, no, I get you. I feel you. And if it's not you guys, then it's the Dolphins and the AFC East that's stacking up to be a decent division as well. So, yay us! Our teams finally get good, and then of course everybody around us seems to be good as well. <laughs> uh, so now onto a team that we are uh, normally considered. Uh, thinking of as a good team, but I think that's going to change pretty rapidly coming up. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. So the New Orleans Saints, their first round pick at 28 was an edge rusher out of Houston, Peyton Turner. And so, yeah, he's he was good. He had a good pass rusher rating. He's a big guy, 6'6", 270, 35-inch arms. 
So he's pretty versatile for that size. But if you're looking for an edge rusher at that point in the draft, I just think there was like, again, I'm, and I'm not a Hurricanes fan. I think Greg Russo would have been a better pick there. He went two spots later to Buffalo. I think he would have fit this need. I think he's a little bit more athletic. He played against much better competition in college. Um, he was paired up with Jalen Phillips, who was another first-round pick. Those two did damage together. So I think you could have probably done a little better there. Um, and then they went linebacker out of Ohio State. So there's your boys, Pete Werner. Uh, again, I don't think that they have lost too many linebackers. I think they might have lost um, Anzalone, the uh, the linebacker that came out of Florida a couple years ago. So this is probably a move to replace him there in the middle. Yeah. But again, yeah. linebacker between free agency and and linebackers is somebody who you can get a little later in the draft. And, and there's so many hidden gems at linebacker that there was uh, there were other players on the board at 60 that could have helped their offense. And now that you don't have Drew Brees anymore, you can't just rely on one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game to just bail you out of every situation. So I think they should be stockpiling talent around him as much as possible, other than just Michael Thomas, who is really just a glorified slant receiver, but whatever. Um, and, and I think they could have done more to help themselves, especially in such a transitional offseason as what they're having. Like, this is a big, big deal that the Saints do not look like what the Saints have looked like for the past, I don't know, like 12 years or whatever it's been. So right. I think that uh, they could have done more to help themselves. I think that they were very uh, laid back in this draft. They didn't try to acquire as much talent as they could have. So I think that this may end up having uh, a negative effect on them this year and possibly, oh, man, not making the playoffs in the NFC for the first time in a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and again, I, I don't find the rating systems as uh... – as the Bible, clearly every team, including the Saints, which, you know, if you don't trust Ron Payton by now, I don't know what, what else you're looking for. Hmm. Uh, but they had Turner on ESPN. They had him as the 73rd ranked player. Uh, and they had Warner as the 99th ranked player. And they took them at 28 and 60, respectively. So there you go. Yeah, the, the reaching for stuff. And that's sort of what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. If, if you're spending your picks on guys that you're having to reach for, um, instead of the best player available, then you know a lot of time that ends up biting you in the in the tush. Now that doesn't mean that those guys won't turn out to be good players. Uh, that's always possible. It's just you maybe could have gotten them around later than you took them, and and right. that's really what it comes down to. Yep. So Value yeah, no, I I would game. agree. I would agree. I had them as one of my as one of my disappointments as well. So yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of the actual draft talk with our winners, our losers, and some of our um, better picks or value picks. And now we're going to jump into a little bit of now that we've seen kind of what these teams are going to look like, we are going to throw out a couple of picks that we think have a chance to now win the conference altogether and meet in the Super Bowl. Right. So I'll let you kick us off with this one. Yeah. Uh, I mean – I guess I'll do uh, – I mean, Tampa. Tampa's obvious. They could have yep. had no draft, and, and they would have been a favorite. Um, no team's ever brought back 22 starters from a Super Bowl winner until the Tampa Bay are. Buccaneers. So, yep. <laughs> there's, there's, they, they did a lot of firsts last year, um, and, and they're going to do another one this year. So, um, I'd, I'd lead off with them. Uh, I would say the Chiefs with their rebuild offensive line and bevy of weapons – uh, I would go with them uh, second. I do think as far as the AFC, uh, I, I do think the Browns are going to be in the running. Um, I had told, and I got laughed at when I said it, but I had, I had said that they're going to be one of the last three teams standing, um, which could change with a couple others because the, the Ravens aren't going away and, and the Dolphins are obviously pretty good as well. Um, but that, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of where I am. Um Browns, Bills, Chiefs. That's sort of what my AFC looks like. Um, but I, I would also accept the Ravens and the Dolphins into that top five uh, as far as, you know, getting to the Super Bowl this year. Yep. So AFC-wise, I am, I am aligned with you in most of them, right? So the Chiefs is the laziest answer that you can give, and I get that, but I'm still going to give the Chiefs because – Despite yeah. them having Pat Mahomes and going to the Super Bowl and almost repeating as champs, 
they got better this offseason. They did. have solidified that offensive line. Talk about steals, actually. And I don't know how we skipped this kid. Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma. Uh, they got him at the 63rd pick. Yeah, round two, 63rd pick to protect uh, Pat Mahomes. That kid is a mauler. He is like one of the most physical offensive linemen in this draft. Uh, went to Oklahoma, so he was in a division with a bunch of big boys, and he pushed them around, man. They uh, got a hell of a pick there. So the Chiefs definitely got better, despite not having a first-round draft pick, which is crazy. Um, well, their their first-round draft pick was they uh, traded their back. starting left tackle. <laughs> right, Orlando Brown. They traded right. they traded it out for, for Orlando Brown, which, again, another right. solidification of that of that O-line. So, yeah, yeah I think that the, uh, the Chiefs did a great job of getting better. So they're definitely at the top of the totem pole in the AFC. Um, again, the Bills, the Bills who already are nasty on defense, added Greg Russo, who we just talked about a little while ago, to, to strengthen that already vicious pass rush that they have um, going up in that on that team. Josh Allen is, as far as I can tell, only going to keep getting better. Uh, that kid seems to be amazing and probably behind or even maybe tied with Baker, I mean, I don't know. I think Josh Allen wins an MVP before Baker does. He may end up being the best quarterback out of that draft. Uh, and he was like the third one selected. So that's pretty crazy for them. So the Bills, definitely a team who is ready to make that next step and, and possibly make the Super Bowl. And then, uh, yeah, man, the Browns. The Browns are right there. And the Dolphins, I think, are right there with them. I think that we are on paper, probably one year behind in terms of progress being made season by season as what the Browns are. So they may be a little bit ahead of us, but uh, man, the AFC for years to come seems like it's going to be some combination of KC, Buffalo, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Browns at the top of it. And everybody else kind of trying to play a little bit of catch up to KC, catch up to the rest of the top tier. And that seems like it's going to be a lot of fun in the AFC coming up. Yeah. Certainly the, the better conference. I mean, it's, I believe so. Absolutely. I, I mean, you, you can name, I mean, and you didn't even say Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you can name legitimately six teams at the top of the, of the conference that you could be right. like, yeah, they made the Super Bowl. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I get it. Right, right. It's not like surprised. a wild statement. Right. Correct. No. So no. that's awesome. And then the NFC, you have the bucks and then everything else is just who the hell knows. Cause it, I mean, we could see Aaron Rodgers get traded, which is nonsense. I mean, Jesus, if he gets if he goes to Las Vegas, do they become a, a Super Bowl contender? I mean, do you think do they though? Is it you that, almost have to, don't you? Isn't that just Green Bay South though, with the with the roster that they have there? Like, there's nothing, <sighs> and I may be missing out somebody here at the heat of the moment, but there's nothing in L.A. or I'm sorry, in Las Vegas that makes me go, man, with just Aaron Rodgers there pulling the trigger. Like, they're automatically a Super Bowl contender team. Like, he's an upgrade from Derek Carr, don't get me wrong. But it's not like we're going from a zero rating to 100. We're going from, like, an 85 rating to 100. So is there going to be such a considerable increase at the position that it's going to, like, mask everything else on that team? I don't think so. Um, I think if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I, first I would have probably tried to get myself to Chicago just to piss off everybody in Green Bay. Uh, but that was never going to happen in a trade. Uh, I don't know where I want to land if I'm Aaron Rodgers right now, but I, I, I don't think that Las Vegas is at the top of my list for that. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think on that real quick before we keep going with NFC contenders? Yeah. You think Aaron Rodgers, that's a whole, that's a whole different bag. It to, is. To, to it explore. is. We just, we got to it real quick and I was like, Oh God, cause I would have taken the Packers probably second uh, as far as the NFC pecking order. But I, I, I mean, if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, then forget it. Um, right. I, I think there's a lot of teams where he could go and, and elevate. Uh, this is like super Homer, but Aaron Rodgers with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb does sound kind of enticing. I mean, that's uh, a Super Bowl I, team automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was sort of, I mean, and like the number one offensive line in football last year. Um, right. Yeah. That's, but are uh, you ready? Are you ready to mortgage? six to eight more years of Baker for two to three years of Aaron Rodgers. And, there, and, and we can see, like, again, we just saw Patrick Mahomes losing the Super Bowl, right? So there's no guarantee Super Bowl victory in this league. Uh, so, again, you would be that's – a, that's a lot to, to bank on, especially knowing what we've seen 
for like we've seen Baker have his sophomore regression. We've seen him come back and be good after that. So there's no reason to uh, really expect another regression. If anything, I expect Baker to to keep getting better. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Yes, Aaron Rodgers makes the Browns a Super Bowl team right away. But are are you willing to mortgage the future, as they say, for well, a short term phenomenal solution? Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess that would probably put you on the same tier as KC. Uh, so you'd have to say, okay, would would that be enough to put us past KC? And you know, although I hear a lot of crap about Baker, and and rightfully so. Um, this is the first time since his junior year of college that he's had the same head coach Office two years in a row. Coach. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, that's crazy. That should probably do wonders for his uh, development and stability. Yeah, yeah, because even even between his junior and senior year in college, they changed head coaches. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it could be something. But anyways, back to what we were back talking to about. where we're yeah. going. So, and if. <laughs> NFC, who who are you uh, after Tampa? Who do you who do you slot in there? Because I got a couple teams that I think can make a run. Yeah, I'll, I'll do two. I'll stick with Green Bay because I feel like their their little face off with Aaron Rodgers, they just end up bending to him and doing what he wants, and and that's the end of it, uh, at least for now. Um, and then the only other team that I really like for that spot is the Rams. Uh, hey, I, I, think yep. the, I think the Rams with Stafford. And, and that defense, granted, we took half of their defensive backfield, so maybe they're not quite as good. But, um, the, yeah, the Rams with Aaron Donald and, and Stafford and, and that offense uh, and Sean McVay, I feel like they're going to be pretty formidable. And the Rams are one of those teams that get better as the season goes along, as McVay sort they of do. figures some things out. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my three. Uh, again, the NFC just is, it doesn't pop like the AFC does. So it doesn't. To... It doesn't. So we'll get a lot of repetition. So my three, obviously – Tampa Bay, right? Like we said, when you return 22 starters from a Super Bowl winning team, you got to respect that. Nobody's ever done it, so we don't know what to expect, but I'm thinking you're going to expect them making a deep run in at least the conference championship game and see see what happens there. So, yeah, Tampa, definitely for sure. I'm going to leave Green Bay out of it because, again, uh, the whole Aaron Rodgers saga is a lot. And and a point you just made, you think they're just going to bend to him and do whatever he wants. Well, when he wants to leave – that kind of throws a wrench into bending into whatever he wants, right? You you end up losing there anyway. Well, so, I, I mean, at this point, I've heard that they just have to fire the general manager. I feel like they'll get also to the true. point where they'll just fire the general manager. Possibly. Because it's better than starting Jordan Love, right? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. But, hey, they wanted to start Jordan Love at some point. So, you know, <laughs> you, did, you have brought this upon yourself. You have. Um, draft the man a receiver in the first round sometime seriously. in 16 years. We need to do a whole Packers pod because that's fucking stupid. Oh, um, so we'll go with Tampa. Uh, I also think that the Rams, uh, Matt Stafford, with his gunslinging ability and having an offensive genius as his head coach, I think we're going to see a Matt Stafford that we have not seen in the pros before. It might even be better than what got him drafted first overall in Georgia. Like I really think that he is going to make a he's going to take a step. And it's weird to say a 10-year vet is going to take a step. But, man, when you – he's never had anybody in his ear worth a shit in Detroit, like, yeah. ever. So, yeah. to go from that to Sean McVay, I think the Rams are definitely one of the teams to look out for in the NFC. And then my third team, which, man, I think when we talked about them or when I talked about them last year, I might have been just a, a, a tad early on them. But I think the Arizona Cardinals are coming, I think. Kyler Murray uh, with Hop, with uh, Fitz still on that team as, as, like, veteran leadership and just, like, an all-around solid dude to have on a roster. They just drafted Zayvon Collins to to anchor that defense from the linebacker. That's a nasty dude. He's going to walk in there, and he's going to run that defense from the inside out. Um, I think Arizona is going to get a lot better. It sucks that for them that they are in the conference that they are in. So with those same Rams that we both love, uh, the Niners, who, I mean, that's one of the biggest wild cards in the league right now. Is Are they yeah. going to play Trey Lance? Is Trey Lance going to be any good? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to use the fire lit under his ass to be good? Uh, so That, that would have been my go. fourth one. That would have yeah. been my fourth one, the 49ers. That would have been then, And then on top of that, like, you got up in that corner, tucked away a guy who can easily win an MVP any given season with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Right. So, yeah, they're not like a stacked team in terms of talent. But when you've got Russell Wilson and a couple of the guys to throw to, like he does with, with Lockett and stuff like that, 
uh, David Moore and DK Metcalf, like you can't count them out too. So Arizona is in probably the toughest division in the NFC, one of the tougher ones in the league. Uh, so it could really – that could suck for them. But I think that they've got the talent. They're building it together. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury seems to not be an idiot, right? A lot of people kind of <laughs> head scratch that decision to hire him straight out of Texas Tech when he hadn't really done anything phenomenal at Texas Tech. I was one of those people. I am people. Um, yeah. But it seems like it's worked out so far so good. So let's see how he can keep going with this. I think that uh, Arizona might be one of the teams in the NFC to watch out for as well. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I was on the J.J. Watt train for a while because I really did think he was going to come to Cleveland before we got Clowney. Uh, and then when he signed with Arizona, I was sort of like, oh, I hope you guys suck this year. So <laughs> I forgot that they did. J.J. Watt, too. I, see, that that just reinforces my belief in them now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the NFC West is a is a murder station. I mean, there's just – there's no easy games in that in that division. There just isn't. It's not – if the AFC West, or I'm sorry, the AFC North has any competition for hardest uh, division, it is definitely uh, the NFC West because that's that's just that's rough. Yep. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, well, that brings us to the end of our draft recap episode. A little bit of NFL talk for everybody. The uh, season will be rapidly approaching. We are going to oh. start training camps in like seven weeks from now, maybe. Six and a half, seven weeks, I think people start reporting for training camps. Yeah, mid, so, mid-July, right? That, that'll be um, – it's actually like the beginning of July. They'll start reporting for uh, – before they start all the padded workouts and stuff like that. Oh, so, you're right, because I think all the voluntary workouts, if they actually have them in now. person, those are – yeah, right. those were supposed to be in May. Right. So I think that it'll be a little bit later than that. And But next thing you know, it'll be NFL season. And we'll be uh, talking about training camp and how everybody looks. Heading into those three preseason games this year instead of four. Oh, man. Yeah, we might even have to do a fantasy football podcast before we have any of our drafts. 100%. I'm totally in. Oof. All right, right, everybody. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Absolutely good times. Make sure to, again, subscribe and rate us uh, wherever you do your podcast. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at 3MajorSports. Thanks for listening, everybody. From myself, Enrique, here in Miami. Have a great night. And Rob, wherever you are up there in Middle Earth, uh, in Trump country. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Have a, have a good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> All right, everybody.